and welcome to episode five of the podcast of Traditional Investing is Dead. My name is Douglas Muir and I'm the CEO and founder of the Family Business Fund. Last episode four, we talked about it's not your grandparents' stock market. And, and what do we mean by that? There's, there's, there's such a differentiation between when your grandparents and your parents were, especially if you're my age, were trading um, than it is today. Uh, the New York Stock Exchange used to own 80% of all the trades in the world, and now it's about 25%. Do you know that 60% of the trades in the New York Stock Exchange are done by retail investors like us, people who have an E-Trade or have an Ameritrade account and they're trading stocks or they're day trading or they're doing options. All my friends are doing that now and, then, and I started uh, and I'm, in real, I'm really enjoying it. I really am just diversifying my portfolio. So it's really not your grandparents' stock market because it's all electronic now. It's a, lot, a lot of stuff's happening. It's happening really, really fast. So we talked about that. But today's podcast is really interesting. And, you know, I, I just want to tell you that there's a lot of financial crisis doomsday predictions. You've probably heard of them. I've been hearing them a lot. So I'd like to embarrass uh, my intern, Will, as you see his picture off to my left right here, who did most of the research. But together we learned that there were really, you know, four historical economic crises. Uh, the latest one, Michael Berry predicted in 2008, the mortgage crisis, as, as we all know about and as we, we live through. Uh, that he bet $534 million on the Tesla crisis, or Tesla's stock going down. And as you saw last week, uh, Tesla did take a dip um, due to sales. So a lot of stuff is happening uh, in the stock market, uh, also with Amazon. And, and as I told you when I was on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, I would, I would watch these just highs and lows and highs and lows. And that's the main reason why I started a high yield fixed income. Uh, I trade a lot in fixed income. I like knowing I'm going to get 9.5% or 12.5% or the family business fund, which pays 20% uh, on a fixed income. I like that. So let's just talk about the four historical U.S. economic crises, which is really important because if we don't look at the past, how are we going to know the future? right? And why do we keep doing the same things over and over again? The first one happened was 1873 to 1896. That is a long time. That was a longest depression. And it was a panic in 1873 that ran on the banks and all the people who came into the banks. And back then they had no regulations, they had no protection, and they just did a run on the bank. Well, I don't know if you know this, but really banks only have about 10% of the cash in the bank, actually. So that leaves 90% out. So if you have a run on the bank, you're gonna run out of money just like that. So that, that, that was very interesting to me. And it was a massive four-year recession uh, from the 1873. And it was just that the banks failed, right? And so then regulation came in, the stock market was getting really hot. And we all remember 1929. And 1929 was a worldwide market crash, which started 
on the New York Stock Exchange. That was the, that was the worst depression ever. And in 1929, what happened was um, there was something called a margin call. So for all of you out there that have accounts with the TD Ameritrade and all, that other, all the other accounts that you could trade on, you could actually get a margin, meaning you can get a loan. So let's say you have $1,000 in there, in your account. You could get another $1,000 and buy $2,000 worth of stock. Okay, a thousand is in debt, and then a thousand is in your cash. What happened? There was no limitations. Nowadays, there's limitations on how much of a margin call you have, but back in 1929, there weren't any. So everybody was trading and trading and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing, and then all of a sudden, when the stock market started going down, the banks started calling in the margins. Everybody freaked out, and that was just the massive crash that we had. And that was due to margins call, which lasted another 10 years. And then in 2003 to 2011, we lived through that. I owned a mortgage bank back then, and I was uh, selling notes back to a third party in New York City, and, and they, were, they were buying my $5 million worth of loans, and then they would resell it to... Uh, other uh, purchasers, mostly uh, the, the European market, was buying all our debt up. And there were A paper, which is, you know, good credit, and then there's uh, Alt A, which is okay credit, and then there was just the, the bad paper. I mean, I was giving out loans to people with a 500 credit score. The max credit score is 830, the lowest is 350, which I've never seen. But I'm giving, I'm giving loans to people with all kinds of collections and judgments, and uh, the banks were just rebuying them from me. And I would just get my money back and I would do it again. And, and I was looking at this saying, this just can't be. And I was very fortunate. I got out in 2007. So I sold all my houses, all my flipped houses. I got rid of everything. And my friends are like, what are you doing? And I was very fortunate where I got out. They stayed in and, and most of them went bankrupt. And now it was the 2020 uh, COVID, uh, the recession hit, everything was closed. It was just, it was just a mess. And so what is happening today that looks like the four types of crashes that we have. And that's what we really need to look at. So what are the early warning indications? That, that's the real important part, right? The, the biggest one I noticed was uh, the debt to GDP ratio. So the United States of America has massive debt. You've all heard about that. You know, we've heard numbers from 15 million, 20 million, or a trillion, 23 trillion. I mean, just massive numbers of, of debt. And then there's things called the gross domestic product. product. And that is how, many, how much are the services and how much are all the equipment and stuff that we are building inside the United States? How much is that over the debt? Can it service the debt that we have, right? So you have to understand that the GDP of the United States right now is 235%, the debt to GDP ratio. That is massively upside down, 235%. That means we have 235% more debt than we do gross domestic product services and products that we make in the United States. How is that even sustainable? That's the question I'm asking you. The second thing, debt service, right? What is the debt service ratio? How much money do we have to pay our debt? 
It's called the debt service ratio, right? A good ratio is 0.4, right, or lower. That means you have $4, right, for every dollar of debt. But the higher that number gets, the more debt you have. The bad, a bad ratio is 0.6. Do you know America, as of 2020's debt ratio, is 0.97. We have $97 worth of debt for every dollar that we're taking in. How is that sustainable? The third thing is real property, right? What is the real property price? In 2008, oh my God, the worth of a house was going up so high and so fast that not even the appraisers could keep up with that. They had to get special permission to appraise at the rate they were appraising because it was just unbelievable. The amount that the real property prices were going up was just, it, it, it couldn't last. It couldn't last. And the speculations, the speculators and the flippers, they were, they were coming into my office. I was giving loans to people who were short order cooks at $15 an hour for $350,000. Well, what happened was when the housing market and the value of the real property started going down, people were trying to get out and that was it. And it was bad. And the banks were holding on to all this debt that I was selling them my debt that was just junk. And when they started going in and looking at the junk, they knew they were never gonna get paid back. And that's when it just went out of control. And the fourth thing, and final, is real effective exchange rate, right? So what's real effective exchange rate? And it's, it's the average of the currency that we have. And we're gonna talk about Bitcoin a little bit in our next uh, episode. But right now, uh, it's, it's the exchange rate. And the dollar is still the biggest exchange rate. So I asked you this question, how come this keeps on continuing? One dollar is entered into our system through the treasury through something called a treasury note. So it comes in as debt, right? And all the countries are buying all this debt. So the, the, the country says, I want to add in another trillion dollars to our economy or another trillion dollars worth of debt. And China and all the countries around will come and they're buying our debt. They're buying it so fast that it's hyperinflating what the dollar is worth. But what happens when people stop buying the dollar. That is the thing. That is the question. So I'd like to talk about how did the family business fund alternative investing make it through COVID? Well, let's talk about that. If you have a high yield, which means you're getting paid more than 10%. If you have a high yield fixed income rate, you're getting paid the same amount every month just like the family business fund. We pay our investors 20% on their money. You're probably like, how are you doing 20%? Because our underlying asset is making much more than that. So no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens to the stock market, we're not connected to it. We're a high yield fixed rate income. I love alternative investing. I do a lot of alternative investing myself. Eight and a half percent, nine and a half percent I'm getting, 12 and a half percent. And I like that I get a streamline of cash flow coming in that is protected. Now nothing is guaranteed, but it's protected, right? And I get these checks every month, just like the family business fund. So when COVID hit, do you know the family business fund, underlying asset, had a zero default rate? 
We had no defaults. Now, our forbearance rate went up. And forbearance means that we had to go to these companies and say, listen, we're here to help you. So we were giving small business advances out and we had a zero default rate. Okay. So the family business fund could be such a great additive to your portfolio, especially at a 20% rate. And if you're interested, please call me at the number on our screen, email me. I have so much information from all my studies. I would love to share with you. My name is Douglas Muir. I'm the CEO and founder of the Family Business Fund, and I am here to help you with your portfolio. Please stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be tax implications on all your investment portfolios. How does the tax work? How does the system work? What should you be getting ready for? I know it's not the most exciting, but to me, it is the most needed. What are the tax implications? And that's gonna be on our next episode.